0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com and our pro members at Rosterwatch.com, Rosterwatch Nation. Of course, as always, I am Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert. This will be a week 10 uh, preview show and also uh, discussing the week 10 waiver wire cheat sheet available at Rosterwatch.com. Byron, any initial thoughts about this week on waivers?
1: I mean, <clears throat> well, my thoughts are generally speaking that right now, you know, most teams need to you've got four games left for, you know, most teams that have a normal format and most owners need to finish, you know, 500 or above 500 here, you know, on the way out to secure their spot in the playoffs or their buyer, whatever it is they're aiming for there. So generally this would be a week where I'd tell folks to save their money and save their waiver priority. but. You know, if you got to make a move, you got to make a move.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the cheat sheet this week, and we'll get into the cheat sheet. Let, let's. Let's talk about a couple of different notes from week nine and how we kind of see it moving forward into week ten. I know that you were just as. Uh. You, you. You. were just as sick as I was seeing what Jared. What Jared Goff was able to go into New York, and do against the Giants. Does that speak more to? For. I mean, when are they going to fire Ben McAdoo? For one and for, for two, um, what the hell are they doing? Deactivating guys like Janoris Jenkins for no good reason. And for three, just how sick did Jared Goff look?
1: Man, I don't know where to start. I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm super happy for Jared Goff. And um, you know, the the longtime listeners, you know, of this podcast and followers on the website and all of our offseason travails. I mean, they heard us beating that drum all, all off season, man. I, I, the key, the key was all of it. wasn't even the personnel moves. The key was all of the moves the organization was making to support Jared Goff and watching it pay off. You know, it's something we'd identified. Even the, even the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator, and obviously McVeigh. You know, who's getting all the credit right now? Just Really cool to see all that come together. Jared Goff was a heck of a prospect coming out of Cal. You know anybody who told you otherwise that was just 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 wasn't a proper assessment. And so excited to see there my Sammy Watkins, you know, love came to fruition. I thought there was a chance with Janoris Jenkins out he might get loose on one. His his snap counts are pitiful. Boy, you know, and I love, I truly love. The new Snap Count's database and Snap Count's Touches and Targets tool that we have up for our pro subscribers. I just I just love the way that it displays the data and the way I'm able to drill down into everything and um, you know, it's so so easy to see where Sammy Watkins truly is on that pecking order, even though the fantasy production was there. And I'm just kicking myself as I sent you guys on my suggestions for the DFS pool last week. I just get so damn busy on Sundays, man, and I just n- I never get <laughs> all my get ho- that Jared Goff, I never Jamie have Walker's all my life. housework done. <laughs> yeah, I had the Jared Golf. I had well, that thing in my crosshairs. I was zeroed in on it all week, and then I just never got a Jared Golf lineup in. And had I? Well, it's just, I, it it's it was, just it hard because
0: him. it's just hard because I mean you wanted so much Todd Gurley too. And getting Todd Gurley in was not a bad deal. Three targets, 18 touches. So volume a little bit down. It looks like um, I'm here on this. half count Carlos, and Carlos
1: Hyde and Jared Goff were the plays, man. And they were both on my radar. I just didn't get enough time into that. So, you know, it's just putting – we always got all the pieces just right there in our hands, all the right pieces. You always just got to put that puzzle together properly. And it just takes some diligence and a solid system like you always talk about. Look, Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning, I mean – kind of feels like that whole thing needs to go the way of the Dodo bird together. It's so
0: funny that, that Ben McAdoo, this motherfucker, he says, he says that he's not sure that Eli Manning is going to be part of the future. It's like, what right does he have to say that Eli Manning might not be part of the future whenever he's likely to be fired here within the next few weeks?
1: I mean, Jerry Reese should be fired. I mean, he's made decent personnel moves the last few years.
0: But he's been—it's been. I think that that defense has been. I It's been
1: exposed as overpayment. Yeah, it's been exposed as overpayment and bad contracts. So you know, it's time for regime change there. And if that's the case, you know, Eli might have. You know, they got a tough decision to make. you li- You know, from afar, I'd like to see him start all over. That's tough in a division with Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz and. And possibly Kirk Cousins, tough pill to swallow to be the Giants, potentially with the old and dying quarterback situation against all those young pups right now. But, um, you know, I think your options are either run it out with McAdoo and Manning or make complete regime change. or I I don't know. Maybe they think they can get somebody in there that can rehab, you know, Eli for another couple years. But it sure does feel like Eli and Ben Roethlisberger are – on their way out, while a guy like Philip Rivers might still have a few few years left, somehow after after the beating that he's taken from you know from this all from the same quarterback class there.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see because like I don't I don't know where the Giants would turn or what they would do. It's just gonna have to be a complete look if you're gonna be turning. Well, they over they, they need
1: to draft a quarterback this year. I mean, this year is gonna be rich in quarterbacks.
0: No, nah, I don't know, man. We'll see. Like it, it's always around Thanksgiving that we really turn our attention more to you know, where we start getting the draft content up at rosterwatch.com. I'm, I'm actually excited about it. I'm starting to kind of get the draft itch and kind of the itch to start watching some of these prospects and getting some of those breakdowns up. I know that there's absolutely no demand for them right now, though, from the core part of our audience. So uh, that won't start until, you know, until the beginning of December. And as we get into bowl season, we'll have some of those p- prospect previews, especially when we start previewing the senior bowl and all of our work there. But I'm not really I'm not entirely sure that this is going to be some kind of epic quarterback crop just from what I've seen of some of the guys that are being talked up among the top but we'll see. I mean clearly it's that's a you know we're so busy. We're so snowed like you just said we can't even we can't even take all the data that we assimilate for our pro members all week long and implement it into our own DFS lineups cuz we're so busy getting the tools up and making sure that everybody has their stuff, you know lined out and and right so um once we are able to turn our attention in earnest to the evaluation process that we do better than anybody else as far as the um as far as the expertise on these fantasy rookies coming out simply because we travel to go see them all uh clearly we're gonna have a much better view of it later but i I just i don't know i'm I'm beginning to start to think that maybe maybe roseman was on to something uh in the um with the with the Carson you know with the Carson Wentz year you know just saying that you know for the next couple of years we don't see anybody coming out that's going to be this good and that's why we need to move up. Um, How hey
1: Howie Roseman a guy that's not getting enough credit right now and I, I'd say L- less need officially off the hot seat strictly at the hands of Jared Goff yanking him right off the top of that thing. I, this is what I'll say about the Giants. I mean. They at least need to start sniffing around identifying some quarterback talent to be drafted. Maybe not in the first or even second round, but look, they took Davis Webb last year. That might be their guy.
0: Oh, yikes. Really? I mean, I don't. Do you, uh, he was at the Senior Bowl, wasn't he? I, people,
1: Hey, there's some real, real Davis Webb loyalists out there, and there's going to be people that point to they're success. They're loyalists for
0: all these idiots. I don't think <laughs> that Davis Webb is going to be any good for them.
1: The success of Jared Goff, people are going to point to it and say that Davis Webb, that he came in, just same system, similar type prospect to Goff, and that he can pull it off too because he's got all the mental capacity to do it. So, well, it'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, that that giant situation. And, you know, speaking of the uh, quarterback crop and the NFL draft takes from now until May, that's kind of like the dying salmon swimming upstream too, isn't it?
0: I, I mean, no, not quite like fantasy season. By the time the fantasy season's over, I do feel like my rotten flesh is falling off of my body and that I just can't do anything else. But yeah, I, I think that by the, end of the, by the end of the draft season, that's more like a steady march towards uh, complete oblivion. <laughs> it's like by the time the draft actually occurs, draft Twitter is at each other's throats so much. That it feels like any time you type a, a, a draft take into your iPhone, that the whole thing is just about to explode. You know, just right there in your hands.
1: Right now, people are calling that Ragnarok. What? The March to Oblivion, people are calling that Ragnarok right now. I
0: don't popular. even know what that means.
1: It's a popular term. Yeah,
0: I don't know what it means. It's All kind right.
1: of a Nordic, a Nordic mythological event. I'm surprised. Aren't you kind of Nordic?
0: Yeah, Swedish. But what does that have to do with it? Ragnarok?
1: Yeah, it's a march to oblivion. Well, Anyways, that, let's proceed. Well,
0: well, that's what draft season feels like to me uh, as, as far as draft Twitter is concerned. Um, all right, what about, uh, hey, a guy that we came out of last draft season with a ton of intel on, uh, starting from the senior, well, Kareem Hunt. What the hell's going on with him, man? 54% of snaps this last week. It seems like Andy Reid has gotten away from everything that was making that offense successful to start this year he came into this year they I mean they came out guns blazing letting Alex Smith throw the football downfield dedicating themselves to running the football with Kareem Hunt now we're getting this dumbassery with too much Shark Hendrick West you know only 54% of snaps for Kareem Hunt Are they go into the bye this week do you think coming out of that bye where they you uh, know Kansas City actually has an incredible schedule uh, down the stretch for opposing running backs, do you think that they're going to get back to Kareem Hunt? And that this and that this, uh, I mean, this scoring drought that's lasted now since either week three or week four. Do you see that thing kind of coming back home to roost with uh, Kareem Hunt getting back in the saddle here?
1: Well, I think they need the buy. Think he needs the buy, and you know, teams have had a half a season to make adjustments to what Andy Reid does. So they came out with a new offense, you know, with Kareem Hunt and just a little bit, no, no Macklin, just a little bit of a different, little bit of a different look this year. A little bit of a different, more aggressive scheme. Uh, I believe teams have had a little bit of time to adjust. Uh, but, I mean, Kareem but Hunt, what, but,
0: but but what does their adjustments have to do with playing goddamn Chark West for forty percent of snaps?
1: I mean, you see that it happens, man. These guys get, I think, I. Cream Hunt's still a rookie, and sometimes these game scripts and these game pl- flows, these coaches just get too, they get too fucking cockamamie, and they get off script, man. I don't have any concerns about Cream Hunt. Do I think he's going to come back and be a 93% or like Zeke? No, you know that. Which brings up an interesting point. You were mentioning Todd Gurley earlier. Uh, just like some of the nuance that you can find in the snap counts, touches, and targets tool. That's so easy to identify with. The new format we've released for our pro subscribers. Yeah, it it it, it really is awesome. I mean, <laughs> so Zeke Elliott's a nine. It's the Michael Jordan. You know, he's a ninety plus percent snap count guy. You know, that's basically just the way that it is. Go look at Todd Gurley. He's like a seventy or seventy five percent snap count guy. And you know, in the end, Todd Gurley's going to have a boatload of touches on the season, so it doesn't matter a whole lot. But th- that's where like of the intelligence comes from this tool, and a little bit of nuance can be gleamed. You know the, that's why the big dog always eats, and on occasion you can get a Todd Gurley that submarines you. It's just you know that that's the simple things we can learn from looking at snap counts. I think it's a good example of it. And so Kareem Hunt, I think he's going to be right in that pocket. Back he's going to be in that 75 to 85 percent snap count. I, I'd say he's going to be a 75. I think he's a 75 percenter, and that's just fine for Kareem Hunt down the stretch.
0: Mike Evans and A.J. Green this last week both get into fights with sick young cornerbacks, Evans with Marshawn Lattimore, A.J. Green with Jalen Ramsey. Why is Mike Evans suspended this week and A.J. Green's not? Is it because A.J. Green was – you think it's because A.J. Green was ejected? He's oh, already kind of had his, had, had his I think placement?
1: It's, I think it's because Jalen Ramsey kind of cheap shot at A.J. Green before A.J. Green reacted.
0: Well, we are right, but I mean, Marshawn Lattimore was kind of going after Jameis Winston, and Mike, all Mike Evans was doing was to def- was, you know, it was a cheap shot, but he was defending a quarterback. It wasn't like it was on. Um, yeah, but whatever. Jalen
1: Ramsey took AJ Green, who wasn't even looking at him, and threw him to the ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. AJ,
1: and AJ Green, he did like he went for like the judo hip toss and transitioned to the rear naked choke. He was trying to get it.
0: <laughs> why do these dumbasses? Why do these dumbasses use their hands that make all that make them all of their money and ball them up into fists and throw those fists with all their force into another man's helmet and face mask?
1: Well, that's what AJ Green. He was smarter. He did it smarter. He went for the he went for the martial arts attack. I'll tell you what, man. Jay, I, I'm sure I'm enjoying watching Darius Slay, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I'm 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 enjoying watching. You know, Lattimore. These guys are fun to watch. I man.
0: don't enjoy watching them versus my fantasy players.
1: Boy, you're scared. I I got Keenan Allen on the docket for my team coming off a of buy and heading to Jacksonville. And You're just like you you don't want to play him.
0: I mean, I was te- I you're was like, te- I was telling people like this this last week on the Sirius XM show about their guys you got to start over AJ Green. I mean there there a said lot it of too. You guys have these, I like said a it lot too. of you guys have rosters that you've built using our tools at rosterwatch.com. I mean if you have a guy like Robert Woods or something something like I mean you got to get him in over AJ Green. It's going to be the same way this week with Keenan Allen if you have somebody better you're going to you're going to have to get him in over these guys because it's it's um I think especially with with Keenan Allen a guy that separates sort of with smoothness and um
1: very concerned about the long arms of a Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, it's just Keenan a different Allen. kind
0: of. It's a different kind of deal than a, you know, an Antonio Brown who can is, who's been the one guy that's been able to kind of get over on him just with the quick twitch, you know, uh, separation ability there and that and that burst in, out of cuts that is just so really un. I mean. There's nobody else in the league who has it the same way he does. And Keenan Allen's kind of on the other side of the spectrum with the way that he generates separation. So um, just, I'm not looking forward to that one at all as a Keenan Allen owner myself. And I think we'll probably be rating him as a low-end wide receiver, too, for this coming week when we get through our first round of um, first round Sucks, of I
1: got I got him and T.Y. Hilton in a real important PPR league I'm playing in this year. It's just like, man, that's... Neither guy I'm really looking forward to getting in the lineup this week, man.
0: Uh, well, with T.Y. Hilton, you couldn't have, you couldn't have known that this was going to happen. But uh, at, least, at least with T.Y. Hilton, and we talked about this on the serious show too, at least we know basically moving forward that the games he's going to go off on, are games that are going to be very easy for us to identify via our analytics. He's gone off three times this year. Every single time he's gone off, he's been a fixture on our DFS sheets. He has never been on there in a week uh, out out of those three weeks versus San Francisco versus Cleveland and then at Houston. Um, Somebody who I was wrong on this week, though, Beast Mode. I mean, the week that I finally am just tired of telling people that they should start Beast Mode... And maybe there are other guys who can get in over him if you picked up a Kenyon Drake, something like that. Maybe you can get him in over a Beast Mode. Of course, this is the week that Beast Mode gets in for the multiple touchdown game there at Miami. Is this going to continue? <sighs> Where are you on your level of confidence in Marshawn Lynch? And as trade – I'm, I'm sure some of you talk about in the trade cast this week as trade deadlines are starting to loom.
1: Well, the problem is he's got to buy. So he's really hard to trade right now. Um, you know, oh, this, right. Is, this is kind of what we've been you know, obviously hoping for is to maybe get the chance one more time to sell him high. It's going to depend on when your trade deadline is in your league. Most of them are expiring between the 18th and the 25th. I believe some of them expire on the, uh, the 11th here coming up pretty quickly. But, um, man, what's funny is, and I think it's because you're not a beast mode owner, there was an undercurrent amongst beast mode owners that kind of Kind of felt this coming. There was an undercurrent of positivity for this week with Lynch, you know. But to your point, it was there was no rational way you can tell people to keep playing him at that point. You're kind of forced to forced to say I got to bench him, but there was an undercurrent of 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 positivity uh, for Lynch. And you know, the the key for Marshawn Lynch was he was a sixty percent snap count guy this week. I mean, that's what it's all about. If Marshawn Lynch is a 60% snap count guy and this is you got to be hoping that maybe that's what they saved him for. Saved him early, saw that a 60% snap count Marshawn Lynch helps their offense. He he was he just had the week off from the suspension, he gets the week off from the bye, they spelled him early. The guy should have a ton of gas left in the tank. I mean, I think what you got to do is more than likely you're going to have to hold Marshawn Lynch and just pray to God that he becomes a 60% snap count guy down the stretch and if so i think you might have actually have a surprisingly decent player on your hands that you weren't expecting and uh this thing will have come full circle a little bit or you know or at the very least he might just be a spot play in good matchups at at home but you know more than likely going to be a hold you know but the signs of signs of life were good to see and look they know they've seen it they just can't do what they need to do with richard and washington Getting th- as many touches as, as as they were, so hopefully the Raiders adjust, man.
0: Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington in this game, uh, pulling up the snap counts, targets, and touches tool—the new and improved snap counts, targets, and touches tool at rosterwatch.com. Nineteen and fourteen percent of snaps, respectively, uh, for a total. They each only, golly, uh, between the two of them, totaling only twenty-eight yards on ten touches. So not too much productivity. Out of those two guys, um, from going from somebody who's showing signs of life to somebody who I'm just considering dead at this point, did you see Brashad Perriman on Sunday?
1: Yeah, looked terrible, man. I
0: mean, he just looks like a bad football player, right? I'm just, I'm, I think I'm just done holding out hope for him in Dynasty. He just, I'm not sure he's ever going to turn the corner, man. Like, oh,
1: dude, I'd thrown that hope in the dumpster weeks ago, man, months ago. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, told it, you. I, I told you I was – well, no, I guess it was it was Kevin White that I told you I was genuinely concerned about back in the podcast or back in what? February, I think that was probably. Right. So, and followed suit too, man. We just – one thing kind of learned, man. I mean, it's just you look at John Ross this year. You look at Doxon. You just – these guys, they get sidetracked in year one with injury. And that makes you very, very goosey in Dynasty. It seems like that's hard to – Hard to shake for whatever reason and just all the more reason we want technicians we want technicians more than just pure raw athletic beasts you know and we continue to learn that lesson you know that said dachson is a technician technician and John Ross was those in the know really gave him a lot of credit for being way more than a technician mm-hmm. than just a, a deep threat so very
0: good route runner yeah it well that brings up an interesting point what about I noticed on the uh we'll we'll get to the the way where I cheat you here. Fairly quickly, but I noticed. Speaking of guys who have missed a lot of their first season, and now a lot of his second season, Corey Coleman returning to practice for the Cleveland Browns. I I was figuring you'd probably put him somewhere on the waiver wire cheat sheet. Nowhere to be found on there. Uh, what what were your thoughts on leaving Corey Coleman out? Is it just that the offense is so bad, and that kind of the same deal? It's going to take him more time to get acclimated and also I mean are you still interested in acquiring Corey Coleman in any sort of dynasty format
1: I mean Corey Coleman could be on the sheet he could be it just got all this Josh Gordon talk now and that thing just seems like a mess in Cleveland I mean just that thing is a disaster man that thing is a disaster but yeah it's a good interesting point Coleman is a. Guy, I'd be interested in pot- potentially buying low on in Dynasty, buying really low. What's that quarterback situation going to look like over the next? Uh, I don't know. I'm two not. To three I don't think there. that
0: Deshaun Kaiser's the answer. I don't. No, I, I mean, they don't
1: think he is either. They were trying to trade for traded two McCarron and a three
0: for AJ McCarron,
1: and were disappointed that the Belichick snubbed and wouldn't even talk to him about Garoppolo because he hates him so much. They're just a laughing <laughs> stock organization. And so you got to be worried for Corey Coleman, who's had a lot of injuries and just, he could be on the sheet. He could be on the sheet. He'd be at the very bottom. Right. I thought, I thought the, I know you added Chris Godwin. I thought that was an interesting ad. One thing I always try to double check for injuries and guys who might, who might reap the benefits from injuries, but uh, suspensions are another thing we always got to consider, and that was the case with Mike Evans. So Chris Godwin, a real beast, where out of Penn State, rookie there, and
0: contested catch guy, and you know, I've, I just figured if 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 Mike Evans is out, you got to figure that the Jets are going to put Morris Claiborne on Deshaun Jackson next week, and the guy that's always been. You know the guy that's been on the the opposite side there versus the versus the Jets usually has a chance to usually has a chance to go off. I think with Fitzpatrick in there and Jameis out though, I think that this thing just lines up. Per, I'm gonna have to see where the matchup tool uh, when it comes out uh, on Wednesday. Have to see where it has the Jets versus tight ends this week. But I mean, I just in watching uh, who's the who's the uh, is it is it David Harris the the coverage linebacker for the Jets. I'll have to look. At no, no, no,
1: no. What's,
0: a... what's it? What's the? What's here? I'll just look it up. What? What? The, what? The guy's it's name not is.
1: former Ohio State. Not Darren Lee, is it?
0: Uh, n- dear, No, let me just see here. I'll I'll, I'll pull. I, I'm just. I'm not going to be able to go on with the podcast and not not know who this is because it's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna bug me the whole time. Um. Let's see. Let's pull up the depth chart here. Well,
1: you're looking up that. It's a time for me to mention. Just we're it talking is, tight ends. Uh,
0: no, go ahead. Uh, who 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 was it that I've been watching and it just looks absolutely terrible for? Oh, I'm sorry, I pulled up the Giants. Yeah, go go ahead and do it. I'll need to pull up the Jets in the spreadsheet here.
1: I was just gonna say, speaking of tight end matchups, I mean, last week was a bright, bold, blood red 32 for fantasy tight ends for Evan Ingram,
0: Darren and Dar- Darren Lee. He can't. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's not gonna be able to cover Cameron Braid. And you know that Fitzpatrick has the connection with Cameron Braid. So did
1: you see the video in the offseason of Leonard Williams having to regulate on Darren Lee at some concert? <laughs> no. Darren Lee was trying to get kind of um, aggressive with a female. And Leonard Williams just went over there and picked him up like he was a little twig.
0: Well, good and for moved, Leonard Williams. God moved moved damn, him, we need more him. guys like that in the league.
1: Moved him right around, man. Mm. Um, now I was just saying, Evan Ingram, dude. He went. We always. I mean, we know he's sick, but even in what was supposed to be a tough matchup this last week, he went ham at tight end. Congratulations to all of you guys who own him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I he, mean, I if, think he looks sicker than a Jordan, dude. He is so big and beastly out there. When you see him in that uniform, the he's announcers sicker in than that game were comparing
0: Reed. him to Randy Moss.
1: <laughs> he's unbelievable, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he is. It's almost making us look like donks for picking OJ Howard as our all senior bowl tight end over over um, Evan Ingram. But we said at the time we said, look, man, this is so hard It's splitting hairs between these two guys. It really is splitting hairs between these two guys they when nobody so- else
1: was talking about that was even a decision. We said that that was painfully tough decision. By the end of the by the end of the week, Evan Ingram was outpacing OJ Howard. OJ Howard came out on fire as a physical beast those first couple days, but then as the schemes and the teams picked up and everything picked up, man, Evan Ingram was dominating in the receptions out there.
0: It's a good reminder to you guys that we're coming into the part of the year right now where the roster watch podcast. It's it's my favorite time of the year for the podcast. Um, I think honestly, if you look at our numbers of our numbers of listeners. I think we actually get more listeners for the draft podcast than we do for the uh, in-season fantasy football uh, content. I think that most of the people um, consume our fantasy content just sort of on the site and on from the SiriusXM show. I It seems like the majority of people who like listening to the pod really love the uh, off-season podcasts. And I think, which I think why is because, you know, we bring you the content from the places like – live from on the ground at the Senior Bowl, live from on the ground at the NFL Combine, live from all of the pro days. And the, you know, then we go on um, to, who knows, this year the drafts in Dallas. We might actually go do some draft stuff with Sirius there in Dallas. It'd be cool to do some pods from there. But uh, you get a lot of value from this podcast in the off season. So uh, if you've subscribed for the in-season talk, like the Tradecast and the uh, Waiver Wire pod, I would just recommend to you know stay st- stay subscribed through the offseason because the, like the intelligence here, it never stops. We are the rookie experts because we do this for a job, 365 days a year. You're going to know about guys like Kareem Hunt. You're going to know about guys like Evan Ingram. You're going to know about all of these players before anybody else does in any of your leagues, before anybody else is even thinking about it. So uh, make sure to subs- subscribe to the podcast. If you like the podcast, please give it a five-star review in iTunes. Again, I'm Alex Dunlap here with Byron. And Lambert. Byron, let's just move on to the waiver wire portion here and talk about the waiver wire cheat sheet available at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. A pro membership at rosterwatch.com is cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee, and it's the way to support us through all of our maniacal travels, our travails, our endeavors uh, throughout the NFL offseason to gather these important analytics that help us win in fantasy and also bring you unfiltered, uh, uncensored, unfettered access to all of the events uh, that we cover with such a maniacal effort. So uh, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership there. All right, so looking at it, I see – where do you want to start? I don't know. Where do you want to start?
1: Well, well, first I want to say I'm going to raise my hand and say that I'm absolutely guilty of – sometimes we're even too early on these young, badass prospects. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's the Derek, I've always, it's the Derek I've always, Rose doctrine. Alex will tell you it's always been the Andrew Bynum, Derek Rose doctrine. Back to my early fantasy basketball days. <laughs> yeah. One year too early, but uh, anyways, pays off in dynasty. So it's
0: crazy, man. We talk about like, and you look at Derek Rose now. He looks like a no one's listening to this for basketball talk, but that guy looks like um, he looks about as done as Eddie Lacy.
1: Where do I want to start on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet? I think there's a little bit of a stupid narrative going on out there in the fantasy either.
0: Imagine I... that. <laughs> Imagine that.
1: And I feel like even our own trash man has maybe fallen a bit victim to Imagine it. Imagine that. Just not putting in the work or drilling down into the details. Um, this idea that... so. All the talk right now is about Kenyon Drake in Miami. And it's kind of what we told you last week. We expected him to look the best. We had him Meyer on the sheet. I um, think he has opportunity there with gaze. You know, we've told you guys for a long, long time he's a real liability in pass protection on third down. And, you know, somewhat similar to how we had designed the sheet weeks ago when Dalvin Cook went down and we kind of tilted the sheet to angle more of you guys to Jarek McKinnon for cheaper than you know spending up your free agent budget on Latavius Murray. We designed the sheet a little bit like that last week with Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. And the reason we did it was because of our intelligence at Roster Watch, the intelligence that we've gained from scouting these guys live, having scouted Kenyon Drake at the Senior Bowl and talking to pro personnel, guys across the league who just know that he is a huge liability and pass protection, and I'd been at at Dolphins' camp, training camp. And what we kind of said last week is, man, the Dolphins are going to spread this thing out. They spread the ball out. They're going to spread this thing out the rest of the way. So, yes, Drake is going to look good, but the way they're going to play offense, they're going to be in that package a lot. That third down package a lot, which means to me a lot of Damian Williams.
0: I mean, and how and badly does it hurt Jarvis Landry to have Damian Williams getting six targets? To have Kenyon Drake stealing all those low eight dot six targets for Kenyon Drake. I mean, Jarvis Landry he had only seven targets in this game. That if you're a Jarvis Landry owner, you have to you have to be feeling a little bit worried. I mean, that's seven targets. That's down from. You know, in Week Eight, he had he had twelve targets. In Week Seven, he had eleven targets. In Week uh, Week Six, he had fourteen targets. In Week Five, he had ten targets. I mean, we're that's a worrisome worrisome trend there that these low adot targets are now going to be going in the in the. I mean, we're talking to the tune of twelve targets to, to Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake combined in this deal.
1: Yeah, so I just. I don't know. I guess I just see this as an offense that's going to play more towards Damian Williams' skill set. And he's the guy that's more readily available across waiver wires this week and who has been the guy that's been cheaper to acquire on waiver wires last week and this week. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I just think with all the talk about Kenyon Drake this this right now, I think it's a little bit of a stupid narrative, and I I— Gun to head, I might even like Damian Williams just straight up more than Drake the rest of the way. Anyway, so I think in that's PPR
0: good. I think.
1: I mean, he got the goal line carry. Uh, yeah, def- in PPR, I'd say. But uh, I mean, they, 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 so both I had,
0: they both had terrific games last week. Damian Williams' game was buoyed by his touchdown. It wasn't like the – I mean, Damian Williams got 45% of snaps. Kenyon Drake got 55% of snaps. Kenyon Drake certainly looked better. I mean, he looked like yeah, a better He looked like, a better, he looked like yeah. a better runner, a more yeah.
1: explosive runner. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying I think it's all the talk is about Drake, and I think it's really probably pretty damn close to even. And there's a chance I might actually want Williams more, even in PPR. And he's the guy that continues to be more readily, readily available and slightly cheaper. I, I just feel like those are the kind of takes that you get right here that you don't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I kind of... I'm a little bit I mean I'm a guy who just traded off Kenyan Drake and one of my leagues and somebody who had, you know, picked him up everywhere that I could. You know, tried to kind of flip him while the hype was high. But I do think, man, you know, you talk to some of the people from down there, Kenyan I can't believe that Kenyon Drake's up to two hundred and twenty pounds for one. I mean, he looked faster than a two hundred and twenty pound guy. I think if he's improved at least somewhat in pass protection, I, I just I don't know, man. He's just the, he's, he's he's the guy that Adam Gase always kind of talks about first when he talks about these runners. It seems like he thinks he's kind of his one A. Both of these guys are guys that he wants to get involved in the passing game. We saw that with the fact that East got six targets. Um, I I I think if you put a gun to my head, I'm still gonna take Kenyon Drake. But I completely understand that if you know if we're talking about the sort of the sentiment of the two players' value out there, it seems like Damian Williams. Is being significantly more undervalued than Kenyon Drake since Drake's the one that everybody's talking about. I completely get that. Um, so Damian uh, Kenyon Drake not on the cheat sheet anymore. He he can't be because I'm I'm guessing he's over fifty percent owned at this time. Um, but a couple of Seattle running backs on here because Eddie Lacy just like we talked about was just lo- looks just so bad this this game last week. Um, you know was a was a matchup where. Pete Carroll, and they, you know it was versus a ba- versus a team that you know isn't necessarily bad versus the run. The Washington Redskins have gotten a little bit better versus the run with some of the pieces they've they've put in place there in that front seven. Still, it, it should have been a game that you know it, it w- certainly wasn't a game where Seattle was at home as a home favorite, where a running back shouldn't have been able to get nothing done the way that Eddie Lacy has been able to for the the entire year as far as I'm concerned that guy's dead to me he's absolute dust he's done you know he's done I I, I tweeted out from our Twitter but he looks like a weekend at Bernie's version of a running back like where he's like an old guy where he's got a couple of you know he has his arms around two people who are alive and he's just like dead being dragged around and so Thomas Rawls is on here and here's my thing though CJ Procise, only 6% owned. I have not heard anybody talk about this. But Pete Carroll has come out and said that CJ Prosize will play this week. Thomas Rawls hasn't really looked that good. I mean, he looked, certainly looked better than Eddie Lacy whenever he came in last week. But we've seen CJ Procise come in for a spell of games. Here towards the end of the season, like last year, and looked like an absolute epic David Johnson monster. They haven't been able; the Seahawks haven't been able to get any run game going. Russell Wilson's having to throw for all of that offensive productivity. It's been great for Russell Wilson in fantasy. It's been great for a ton of roster watch nation who own him. But I just think CJ prosize is some like I, I've I've picked up CJ prosize and stashed him in two of my most important leagues last week. Uh, looking forward to. Uh, this this upcoming uh, game versus the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night. What are your thoughts on the on those two? The breakdown between Thomas Rawls and CJ Prosize this week on waivers. Clearly, they're guys who you feel like our pro users should be targeting.
1: I, mean, I think it's an interesting idea with ProSize. You know, I'm obviously not holding my breath, but it's an upside play off the waiver wire, and most of your league mates likely aren't even considering it. You know, I thought this was the best this was the most signs of life that Thomas Rawls has shown. So this was the best news for Thomas Rawls all season. however you want to assess it or label it, even even if unspectacular uh, is the best development for him. So I think he's got a clear line to touches this week, and then you know really prosize's role is that of the two minute offense, the leader of the two- minute offense and packages. Of that nature, so I still believe it would probably take a more injury for ProSize to get the big snap count, but I just could, think
0: if somebody I think I think he's gonna get in there and sometime when it's not a two minute deal, and if he gets a hot hand, they're gonna roll him, dude.
1: Yeah, that's definitely possible. That's definitely possible. Will they will they continue to roll him into the next game like that? Or will I they don't be know. committed to a committee? It's hard to say. That that team is very committee oriented. You know, McKissick is still getting a little bit of action. So I, I, I see it. There's some upside, you know, there's some it's a thin week on the waiver wire. I think it's an interesting idea on a thin week on the waiver wire, and it's one of the options that feels like if it did hit, it's got some real upside.
0: I noticed Devontae Booker on here. But I mean, I just wonder what Devontae Booker is is he gonna get anything going on as a sort of a standalone fantasy option? Or is he just gonna be here to kill C.J. Anderson, because you're looking at basically a, a, thir- a one-third split just down the middle for these crappy Broncos with 30% of snaps going to Jamal Charles, 34% of snaps going to Devontae Booker, 36% of snaps going to C.J. Anderson. I just wonder about you know, whether or not there's going to be anybody who emerges from the pack. There's any kind of lead back that could take on a role of 50% of snaps. Boy, how depressing this is for C.J. Anderson owners.
1: I mean, I threw C.J. Anderson out for dead weeks ago, and, you know, C. I mean, C.J. Anderson— I, I I think
0: we all kind of had. I mean, you you kind of have to, right? I just don't know yeah. how much standalone value Devontae Booker's— I don't know how much standalone value well, any of these idiots are going to have. He's a,
1: he's a stash, and we're not yeah. advising you to do much to acquire him. He's just strictly a stash, uh, but if you look at it, his snap counts are trending up. There's an argument that he looks like the best running back on tape when you watch him. Yeah. Char- Char- Charles isn't getting this— in getting the uptick in snap counts. And, you know, if the Broncos start to turn towards the future, Booker's the guy that probably most... might be the big, larger part of that equation from that running back group. So, I'm not banking on it. I think he's a stash with a little bit of upside or some kind of desperation low-end flex play if you're in a deep league or in a pinch. Mainly probably a guy to monitor, you know. But... uh, Look, and I mean, we're in a lot of really competitive leagues. Those are the only guys that are left on the wire. So
0: looking at this Broncos uh, at the snap counts, targets and touches tool, something completely unrelated, but just kind of interesting. Cody Latimer, 75 percent of snaps at Philadelphia. I I certainly didn't realize that. Uh, Talk about a talk about a guy that would have to have to rise from the deep, deep, deep dead. Anybody else you want to talk about here in the running
1: backs? Well, you know who somebody else maybe I should have put on there? Somebody I acquired in my own league last week. It was a little disappointment. I mean, it did, it was, um, I was a little bit crestfallen after the way that it all resulted. But you guys could potentially sniff around Rod Smith for the Dallas Cowboys if Zeke. Were to finally get suspended,
0: it seems like that's going to be coming. We are recording this just, just so everybody knows. Around probably two thirty on a Tuesday, so we're going to have that. um If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're going to have that news. Some t- t- tomorrow, I think Thursday, right? That's w- that's w- when they're going to hear oral arguments. Uh, to 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 when we'll know when he's going to be able to go versus Atlanta.
1: Yeah, so if Zeke is suspended, Rod Smith is. Kind of the one that everybody thinks is sneaky. Everybody in the know feels is sneaky right now. Apparently, a real standout on the team. He's funny. He's actually an Ohio State guy, so he he and Zeke, I'm assuming, know each other pretty well. But uh, we know it's going to be a some kind of committee if Zeke is out of the picture, which means that by default, Rod Smith, who's currently number would be number two on that depth chart ahead of McFadden. He's going to get some run, and so that means if he looks as good as people say that he does, who knows? He might have a chance to get a hot hand in a game. Who knows what happens from there? Um, So it's a deep stash, but that's why he's not on the sheet this week. But Rod Smith, Dallas Cowboys, another guy with a lot of of positive hype uh, brewing right now, so...
0: All right, let's move on to the wide receivers, the guy at the very top of this and the guy who we have a uh, photo, a roster watch stock photo of him up at rosterwatch.com for the post letting Roster Watch Nation know that this week's cheat sheet is up and available. Um, Marquise Goodwin, a guy who you came back from, I mean, clearly who we know very well here in Austin as a former, former Texas Longhorn, but. You just, we just saw that with the uh, with the injury to Pierre Garçon, that dude's not coming back. We saw the eight targets on the 91% snap share to Marquise Goodwin. Uh, only two receptions out of that deal, but one of them, of course, was on the on the deep ball. There were two deep balls that were both pointed his way from uh, from C.J. Beathard. What is it? Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in there sooner than later? And that's why you kind of value Marquise Goodwin a little bit more than some of these other options this week
1: it's a close hair to split. Goodwin could have gone down a little bit. This is strictly based on opportunity. And, you know, look, if you're ever going to like Marquise Goodwin, it's a highly targeted Marquise Goodwin, you know? So this is an opportunity. It's a ripe opportunity, at least for the short term future, a guy that he can do a lot with his touches. So if he can get more of them to result in a, Pretty significant change in production. Again, it's a thin week. You know, a lot of people, Marquise Lee's been rock solid right now. You can keep rolling with him if you want. Josh Doxson is probably the guy that we like the most on the season, but it's still a little slow to develop, and he's got he's had some tough matchups. He's coming off Seattle. He's got Minnesota now. A guy I,
0: I, a guy who I can't believe is only 34% owned, um, not really buried on the sheet, but uh, I figured he'd probably be a little higher. Robert Woods coming off a really big game, and this week he faces Houston at home. Um, I think that, I mean, in DFS, I'm certainly going to be looking at, I went and looked at salaries for this next week. Of course, Jared Goff is priced up, <laughs> you know, but, um, I figured that maybe a, a Goff, uh, a, a Goff Robert Woodstack could possibly be in my future and at least, at least one tournament. Um, but yeah, I can't believe he's only still 34% owned. That's a real trash man, but he is, uh, he's, he's, for fantasy, he's been the most consistent wide receiver on that Rams offense, and that Rams offense is turning pretty prolific. Here we are, the I mean, Week 10, and Jared Goff at home versus Houston is the fourth most expensive quarterback on the main slate over at DraftKings. He's more expensive than Ben Roethlisberger. He's more expensive than Matt Ryan at home versus the Cowboys. Golly, you know. More I ex- mean,
1: Jared Goff, the one thing he could do at Cal was that guy could pass the football, man.
0: Well, yeah. Well, that's what else he was did, a passer what else, of the football. What, what else do you want out of the guy, right? You're drafting to be a National Football League quarterback. You don't want him to be able to serve hot dogs. Like, yeah, I mean, he can.
1: I mean, but he can sit back there and he can deal the football and he can spread it around, and that's part of the reason that Robert Woods is a little bit lower on on here. Like, look, we were at Rams camp the last two years and we we're there for two practices this summer and. You know, had Sammy Watkins, and we told you on the podcast back then, had they not acquired Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods was slated for a monster. He was going to be a trash man special this year.
0: He kind of ha- he, he has he still been. Well, he's
1: still their number one option on the outside. And, um, you know, the snap counts have been there. He's the leader in the snap counts. It's just a little bit of – I feel like it's a little bit of a thin – Thinner play every week, just given how much they spread it around and how much volume Gurley can get sometimes, and also, you know, you just get a little goosey chasing Robert Woods points. You know, since
0: since since week three, he is since week three he's only scored less than double digit fantasy points on DraftKings one time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I mean, mean, Robert Woods is solid, solid option, and that was
0: and that was versus Dallas. And in that game, he got absolutely goddamn swindled of that touchdown. If you remember, at the back of the end zone, so he he should have had double digit. He basically ever since this season got started, he should have had double digit points in every game since week three. And then and then the game in week one game versus Indy, he had eight point three in, in in DraftKings. This week on DraftKings priced up now though to five thousand. Going to be interesting to see. I'll bet you. I'll bet you he garners lower ownership than he should. I'll be real interested to kind of follow if people are on are on him because you got people bunched around him like Robbie Anderson going against this brutal, brutal, brutal Tampa Bay uh, uh, secondary that he should be able to absolutely smash. On the other side of that game, you have D-Jax, who's 100 cheaper than Robert Woods. You have now Sammy Watkins is 200 cheaper than, than uh, Robert Woods. So... Ah, yeah, we're just gonna have to take the week to kind of parse that out and get our ducks in a row as far as the DFS side of this.
1: It's gonna be really, really interesting to see what happens with Sammy Watkins' contract uh, moving forward.
0: Any any of these other wideouts that you had any you know real specific takes on?
1: I mean, I think one you can talk about for a second. I, I apparently we both had our eye on him last week. I had him on my watch list. I just couldn't really afford to make a move. You ended up picking up Curtis Samuel. I I don't you know in our in a competitive league I don't I'm not in love with it on the season I'm not hitching my wagon to it but I, I I like the move I think it's an interesting move and I'll tell you what he got the he got the snap counts this week man so you own him what do you think?
0: Well I mean he's the wide receiver too, and in, in Carolina only three people caught passes from Cam Newton last week and Curtis Samuel was one of them he was in there for uh 75% of snaps he caught four balls uh I think yeah four four balls on five targets for 37 yards I mean I think he's fine he, the, you know he's certainly not anybody I'm going to be you know actively looking to get into my starting lineups but you know if think I mean we've seen man last week I I had I, you know, I had a surprise active from, like, Leonard Fournette and Zach Ertz that threw my whole team into complete disarray. I had to get guys like that in. You never know when it's going to happen. And with the Curtis Samuel, here's the thing, man. If, if if John Ross had not run his 40 at the Combine, everybody would have come out there talking about speed demon Curtis Samuel, you know, with his four three one 3 one or whatever it was. So, I mean, he's the kind of guy that if he does get the football in space – uh, he's gonna outrun it, little, literally everybody on the football field, you know. So, I think it's a matter of him getting open, him showing he has good hands, him showing that he can actually be a wide receiver in this league and not somebody who's just a jack of all trades like he was at Ohio State. Um, you know, I felt like we had really good intelligence on Curtis Samuel coming into coming into this deal, saying that he was probably going to come in a little bit unpolished and not completely ready. I think he's proven that that's basically the case. But the team obviously felt comfortable enough around him to trade away Kevin Kelvin Benjamin. And it's clear now, looking back in hindsight, that the plan was in getting rid of Kelvin Benjamin. All right, what are we going to do? We have to have a plan. Otherwise, the plan clearly, by looking at the snap counts, is Curtis Samuel. You know, that's the plan. So... Uh, yeah, I, I'm intrigued to own him. I'm I'm glad that I own him. I think moving forward, he's going to have at least. I think he's got, I think he'll have one really really big game. I don't know when it's going to come. It's going to be impossible to tell. But and he'll probably be on my bench when it happens. But I'll bet you he has
1: one really really big game. You think that Cam Newton can locate a pipsqueak target like that with regularity?
0: <laughs> I mean, if you watch back the game, I'm still I'm still in the process of watching him all back. But I don't think his average depth of target was necessarily that high. And, yes, I mean, we've seen him locate Ted Ginn down the field before. I mean, he's not a huge dude. I think that he can. I think that he can. And I don't think that Cam looks as inaccurate right now as he did to to start the season.
1: Well, you know what? An interesting takeaway for me is um, it's cool. This is when things come together, too, just little things like this. At LSU Pro Day, I ran into this nice young lady that was on the Carolina Panthers beat. And she was going to all the pro days, the potential high first round draft picks that uh, the Panthers were going to be interested in. So she was at LSU for Fournette's pro day. And I asked her about the wide receivers there. And she told me how irritated everybody was with Dave Gettleman getting all the same kinds of wide receivers. Right. The, Even though it's something the, the we kind yeah something we kind of understood. Well, and Kyers Garrett, you know, he went yeah. three deep like that, and right. it was something we kind of understood because Cam oftentimes can't hit the broadside of a barn. Looked good at times there for a while, obviously with Benjamin, but then you see. So th- that's kind of what she told me back then, and then I saw something on Twitter from a maybe another insider or observer for the Panthers and. They made the point that the the new GM there views wide receivers differently than Dave Gettleman, and Gettleman wanted them to be those big targets for Cam Newton, and the new GM wanted them want those to be guys that can open up space for the running game. Do you think? And a lot of that might have to do have to do to retrospect with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, but all it just interesting to see all of that come together all that intelligence and it, you know it, it makes sense so that's that's why they got rid of Benjamin and you know they're gonna have to do something with his contract anyways but it, from a football perspective that's how all this happened
0: well my question about Marty Herney is it's like if he really is going he's the interim GM right now but you gotta think he he's, he's gonna be made the GM if he's being allowed to trade off guys like Kelvin Benjamin right
1: I mean you would think so
0: Uh, He's a guy who, I mean, he was, he was, he's had a lot of, he's, he's had a lot of, I mean, he comes from like the Bobby Bethards and the Napoleons and stuff like that. You know, he, I mean, he, he has, he has some good pedigree as a front office man. I think, I don't think that he would be allowed to make these kinds of moves unless everybody around there thought that he was going to stick around, uh, after this after this season. But we'll certainly see. I'll be interested to get our first chance to uh, – it'll be kind of sad not seeing uh, old Dave Gettleman pull up his big boy pants and answer our questions at the NFL Combine. But I'll tell you this. I know that, it, you know, in talking to myself to some people there uh, a- around the Carolina Panthers beat, that, like, at the Combine, like, you hear from some of these guys that they're like, Dude, this is our only time to get to talk to him. <laughs> you know, I don't think he even talks all all all, all, all season long. So, I would say uh, Marty Herney—they probably appreciated him at least having that press conference and stuff like that after the Kelvin Benjamin trade. Um,
1: I bet uh, you we're gonna see Gettleman at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine well, somewhere. He's gonna flossing do rounds, around at a, a steakhouse, yeah. some steakhouse in downtown Indianapolis, yeah. At late at night.
0: Well, that well, that's what you do. That's what you do. That's how you, get a, that's how you get a job in the old boys' club, man. you got to keep networking in. you got to stay where everybody is, and that's where everybody is, man. Everybody knows how this circuit works, and, boy, we do love traveling this circuit at Rosterwatch and bringing all of the info and intelligence to all of our members uh, at rosterwatch.com. We certainly love uh, everybody in Rosterwatch Nation who allows us to do it. Do uh, you, you have any other wide receivers you want to get to? you want to talk about any, any of these tight ends or defenses?
1: Maybe a tiny takeaway. Um, You really see the inside the minds of these coaches and what gets these football players on the field. I was when Tyreek Hill ripped off that sick touchdown before the half,
0: which just buried me in DFS this week. I had nowhere near enough Tyreek Hill, and I just my winnings right then. Just it was it was it was midnight to midnight to six o'clock, man. Like everybody had Tyreek, and I just didn't.
1: You just saw DeMarcus Robinson just bury two guys, just laying bodies to waste there to make it possible for Hill to get into the end zone there. And I, that just something I even tweeted about. It stuck out to me. I mean, DeMarcus Robinson just laid those fools out, man. And so then I go in this morning to look at this week's data for snap counts, touches, and targets, and you see DeMarcus Robinson right at the very top of the list, like what is like a 97% snap counter, and you say, man, that's what gets these guys on the field for these coaches.
0: Yeah, but DeMarcus they just don't throw at him enough.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying the fantasy he production. Had eight, he, he's eight, a rare... he
0: had eight targets two weeks ago, though, I believe. He had eight targets it's in week eight. But, yeah, it's uh...
1: – It's one of the rare cases where the snap counts don't necessarily lead to fantasy production, but just – I thought, I thought it was interesting seeing him very top of the list. I said, "Oh man, I know, I know why he's at the top of that list. He right. lays people out in the run game,
0: um, or the or the weird hail mary, fucking beat the beat the prevent defense of the Dallas Cowboys in a way that nobody's ever seen. Game. I just can't believe. I I couldn't. It was. I, I was not more tilted at anything through the whole entire day than that Tyreek Hill touchdown.
1: They called it a hail mary."
0: A hill, just unbelievable. Unbel- How do you not tackle him? You had eight guys back.
1: I mean, it's just, it's, it's absurd. He's so, you know, he's just so explosive. And yeah. he, people say Tyree Kill is quick, but he's like explosively quick. He's
0: like it's he shot unbelievable. Of, he's he's like a rocket man.
1: You the know? way that he's built is incredible. It really is.
0: Um, okay, so, I mean, if it was me, Charles Clay would have been at the very top of this tight end list. I'm making it a priority anywhere that he's available to get him back. I mean, ever since Sammy Watkins got lost by the Buffalo Bills, Charles Clay got absolutely peppered. I think I kind of understand where you're coming from in not having him at the very top because now we have Zay Jones in Buffalo who seems to be finally, thankfully, coming on a little bit. I don't know if he's just regaining some confidence, but he's certainly just looking a lot better by the eyeball test. He got in he got into the box this last he, he got into the box this last week, didn't he? Zay. Let me pull yeah. it up on the snap. Zay Jones too. had an
1: awesome game, man. We said this is going to be a much better spot six, for Zay six Jones. 6 receptions
0: 53 and, and one. So, now you have a little bit of an emergence of Deontay Thompson who had the 10 targets last week. I don't think that's going to continue cuz Kelvin's going to be involved. Is that what you're thinking? Like maybe we need to tap the brakes on Charles Clay coming in and resuming a double-digit target share every week?
1: I mean, no, we're splitting hairs. Charles Clay is almost at the very top. It's The fact is Tyler Croft has been awesome and in terms of a waiver wire streamer. And the, re, the reports, as I was posting and curating, making my final quality control on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet, were still that – Clay didn't practice yesterday and we just the the report hadn't come in yet whether he he had practiced or, or not uh today. So uh, you know, a lot of people need to play this week and Croft has been good. That's what separates the two. But there's a, there's latitude here, and certainly if we get the reports that Clay is definitely set to go, he can move right to the top. Or if you if somebody's looking for more of the, you know, stash or just likes him better, they can certainly have the latitude to to take Charles Clay right off the top of this thing.
0: I am a uh, Jameis Winston owner in one of our competitive leagues, and I'm. This league is a league where everybody has a bunch of. They have backup quarterbacks rostered and all this stuff. I'm having to look through the absolute, you know, the absolute crap with these quarterbacks to decide who I'm going to go with this week, and in weeks moving forward. I noticed that Jay Cutler is kind of here on the bottom of the sheet. Does that have to do with his matchup versus Tampa Bay? Not this week, but the week after.
1: It has to do with. The style of offense that they're playing, and I mean, he had a great game this no, last week. Oh,
0: no, he did, Yeah, he he made me a bunch of money on that primetime slate.
1: I think the sneaky guy, though, man, is Case Keenum this week. For I got just something I don't know. I, Case Keenum is. I feel like that's a very very sneaky play this week. Who, we'll have to see. Who do
0: the, Who do the Vikings have this this next week?
1: It's at Washington, so it's not a super easy matchup.
0: So what do you like about him? The Diggs is back and that he has his full complement of Otto? Op-
1: yeah, full complement. I think there's going to be a lot of McKinnon in this game. Uh, it's a game against Kirk Cousins. I just think there's something sneaky going on here with Case Keenum. Jake, I, you know, and Jake Cutler always scares you, man. He always, and not to say Case Keenum makes you sleep at night, but just. You know, chasing Jay Cutler points is always a scary proposition as well. It's a thin, thin week on the quarterback waiver wire. It's like you mentioned, even if we would rarely ever back a uh, roster, a backup quarterback. But in competitive deep leagues, what Alex is finding out is true, man. I had to hop on Josh McCown two weeks ago to make sure I had a backup quarterback for my buy last week. And now I just got to keep him because... The wire is too thin, and he's been pretty good. It's 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 one of those years where uh, quarterback has been, you know, it's been a it's been kind of a turnstile at quarterback, and so that's led to a little bit of a deficit on the open market, and uh, you're gonna have to make do with some trickier plays this week. But I think Case Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, Jay Cutler, all very you know interesting plays this week on the waiver wire.
0: All right. Well, so that I mean that pretty much does it, right, for the waiver wire portion. You have anything else you wanted to make sure that that you got out before we get out of here?
1: Man, I think we're looking good. I'll just uh, start getting maniacal to, in my preparations for the trade cast here very soon.
0: All right. So make sure that you're subscribed to the trade cast. Uh, we that will get sent right to your phone on Wednesdays as trade deadlines are looming. There are moves that you have to make. First, you have to make the moves on your waiver wire go to rosterwatch.com get a pro membership make sure to use the waiver wire cheat sheet and go with our recommendations about how much you should spend of your remaining free agent acquisition budget so uh, for byron lambert for the trash man for the robot genius and all of roster watch nation my name is alex dunlap this has been the roster watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com we will see you next time